Welcome to the Wellesley Free Library Book Report. Book rankings and recommendations for when you are ready to read. I'm Heather Lee Byrne, Information Services Librarian at the Wellesley Free Library. Thanks for joining us for Episode 4 of the Book Report Podcast. Today we're going to be speaking with librarian Annette Diola about her sci-fi book club's August pick, Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Weir. I'm especially excited about this one as it marks the first book recommendation that I've already read. We've already mentioned the Friday Morning Book Club run by Deb Berenbaum, who joined us for episode two of the book podcast. And the Sci-Fi Book Club is another offering. Both book clubs are held monthly and give participants a chance to discuss their thoughts and opinions about the book picks and are both run by really wonderful librarians who are picking really interesting books and have some thoughtful questions lined up. If you're interested in joining the Science Fiction Book Club at the library, you can find more information on the calendar on our website, wellesleyfreelibrary.org. The book club meets the last Tuesday of each month at 7, at 7 p.m., and September's title is Ancillary Justice by Anne Lecky. You can check out copies for the upcoming book club books on the second floor of the main library at the reference desk. Now let's get on to the interview. going to be speaking with Annette Diola, a librarian in the Wellesley Free Library's Information Services Department. Annette orders books for the library and also runs the tech classes and open lab on Wednesday mornings. Annette has also started doing a science fiction book club, and today we're going to be talking about her August pick, Gideon the Ninth. Welcome, Annette! Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome, I'm so glad you're here. So, before we get started talking about getting in the ninth, um, is there anything you want to say about the book club? Why? When? How recently did you start? So we started this book group back in March, and one of the reasons why I wanted a book group like this is because um, we. Well, first off, it's always a great idea to have a book group. People come to this library and they just want to talk about their favorite books, and one of my favorite genres has always been science fiction and fantasy. So I thought, hey, I think we should um, have a book group that is based on a type of book. We do have a very popular um, book group called Friday Morning Book Group um, that's once a month, and that's run by my colleague, Deb Berenbaum. And it's very popular, and she's able to read nonfiction and fiction, and it's 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 very general, and it's it's um, it's great for for the Friday Morning Book Group. But I was thinking we should change it up and get something that is based on, well, let's be honest. I just wanted to have a bunch of kooky science fiction fantasy people in a room to discuss fun books. <laughs> sounds like fun to me. Yeah. Um, Deb was on here and talked about the Friday morning book club Good. and they read a lot of really awesome literature, a they lot do. of really great literature, which I think is awesome. But I know that in my spare time, I do end up gravitating toward the books that are more page turners for me. And that's often in mystery and in science fiction. So I'm really excited about talking about this book with you today. Yay, I'm so glad. Science fiction is, um, it's such a fascinating genre because, you know, you always hear that saying science fiction becomes science fact. And, you know, we often cite um, a science fiction, <laughs> like a science fiction apologist, if you will. We always cite Star Trek and how Star Trek was was so groundbreaking in that um, it talked about, you know, microtechnology and digital technology 
way before people even thought about it. And now that is like breathing to us these days. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're doing we're doing this all digitally and um you know, people are able to to do this and you know, they also have like little tiny um watches that they talked into. Is, so is that like called the tricorder? Yeah. Just like your little phone, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and it's it's wild to me, you know, when you think about how things were even just uh 20, 30 years ago, how people had no idea that we were ever gonna have cell phones that were basically supercomputers mm-hmm. in our hands, in the hands of our children. Yeah. Like it's but Star Trek did. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's fascinating about fantasy is that not only does it um, foresee our future in that way, but also it, it, it does talk about politics or, you know, mm-hmm. issues, social issues, but through the lens of aliens, like, oh, this, you know, this alien race is being disrespected or they're not getting the same rights. But it's a way to discuss things out of, you know, allegorically out of actually writing something in, um, the 300s, which is social sciences for those Dewey Decimal nerds. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's it's a great exercise, and a lot of the times it's it's hilarious, and Gideon the Ninth is pretty hilarious, so. Uh. Yeah, so to get um, started talking a little bit about Gideon the Ninth, how did you hear about this book first? Well, um, when you spend a lot of time on the internet, just kidding, um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of um, colleagues um, uh, so a lot of my friends actually suggested it because it's just really popular with people around my age. You know, mm-hmm. it's really popular with with people who are um, of the LGBTQIA plus community. And I always like these books that are suggested to me by, you know, my especially like my trans friends. Mm-hmm. And this was recommended to me by someone who um, who is non-binary. And so I, I'm always, I'm, I'm so curious, like, okay, what was the draw here? What did you like about it? And mm-hmm. as soon as I picked it up and was reading the first couple of pages, I was like, I get it. It is, <laughs> is, um, one thing that really sealed the deal was a friend of mine said, Oh, it's written like a meme. Mm-hmm. It's just one giant Tumblr post. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, okay, sign me, sign me up. Okay. Uh-huh. We, Let's read this for the for the book group. Yeah, no, it is a really unique book, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but why don't you go ahead and give us a little synopsis of the book? You know, no no spoilers or anything, but a little bit about what this what is the premise? Sure. So this takes place in a world where we have necromancers. Um, if you don't know what a necromancer <laughs> is, uh, it is a, a type of person like you can say magician but you know not the magician with the rabbit hat no just you know witches probably would be a closer um, word for it but necromancers are able to um, control the dead or you know resurrect people and so in this world um, different uh, there is a kingdom where um, they're trying to bring back or they're waiting the return of this undying king. Mm-hmm. And there are nine separate houses and Gideon the ninth uh, is called Gideon the ninth because she's from the ninth house. And they're known as the the darkest, the scariest house. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other houses have other specialties. Um, the sixth house is known for medical necromancy, <laughs> which is also known as pathology, but you know, uh, <laughs> that my words. So yeah, they're, they're all being kind of, um, a representative, a youth, a youthful person or a young age person is being sent to, um, this, um, planet 
And yes, it all takes place kind of in space. <laughs> this is a wild book. I'm sorry. This is, I don't know if this, this is helping. And they're, they're essentially going to this place to um, eventually become um, a certain type of necromancer, a very powerful ne- necromancer called a Lictor. And all of these representatives from the houses, the nine houses, they have to bring someone who is called a cavalier, which is basically their protector. And Gideon is this wild character. She is always trying to escape the ninth, but she's also a very gifted um, sword fighter, long swords particularly. When her house's um, representative or the, the head of her house, um, whose name is... Harrowhawk? Harrowhawk. Oh my gosh, thank you. Harrow basically is the representative. She has to go and um, Gideon gets dragged in and is promised, you know, if you if you can stick it out with me, you won't have to have any more of these escapes. You won't be punished anymore. You just have to come in as my cavalier. And so the bulk of the story basically takes place where um, you're meeting all the other houses and um, you're uncovering all of these mysteries that are surrounding this undying king. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating book, but it definitely um, takes a bunch of wild turns. It's a really interesting book. Disclosure, I read the book too because it was really interesting. <laughs> I picked it up and then I just started reading and just the pages kept turning because yes. it was so fascinating. <laughs> but uh, what did you expect going into reading it? You kind of mentioned you got some recommendations from certain people. You know, um, you mentioned that it seemed like one giant meme or Tumblr post. How did it live up to those expectations or differ from them for you? You know, when you're reading a lot of other science fiction titles, you kind of get used to how how free they are with the language. (laughs) I will say that uh, the the language in here is a little more um, informal, which is an odd thing to say, especially since, you know, a lot of fiction is informal. Mm -hmm. But it's it's funny because um, you can imagine a lot of what Gideon says or how she says things um, in a funny Tumblr post where, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's only going to be seen by people who are on that part of the internet. But it's fascinating to see things that I only usually see on the internet, dialogue that I only see on the internet, published <laughs> in a, uh, I think it's 400 pages. <laughs> You're like, wow, 400 pages of a Tumblr post. That's amazing. Yes, it's definitely for people who are of that age. Um, millennials <laughs> will probably enjoy this and definitely Gen Z um, will enjoy um, enjoy something like this. Yeah, so kind of as maybe like an older, elder millennial, like the very, very tip end of the cutoff, I would say that this book is accessible to older readers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does have that kind of epic science fiction kind of space opera yes. sort of like feel to it. I think I was reminded really honestly of when I first picked up Isaac Asimov's Foundation when mm-hmm. I was like in, you know, I was like, nine or 10 years old and trying to like imagine the enormity of the culture that he was talking about. I think that Tamsin Muir really creates that kind of enormous culture out of building blocks that really are kind of anachronistic for that, mm-hmm. for that society, because we really are hearing kind of aside jokes that these characters wouldn't fully be able to make. So there's always a little bit of fourth wall breakage um, when those things come up for you. Were there any times that it kind of took you out of the story that you can think of? 
Not that I can think of, mostly because, um, you know, whenever you read something, there's always that suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. And when you suspended it as much as you, as when you suspended it uh, from the start, Mm-hmm. Uh, at least with this book, that's how I felt. You just kind of went, you know, yeah, that that tracks. Yeah, that you tracks. know, because I, I did that pretty much through the whole thing. There was like, I was able to just kind of set aside and giggle at like a million different references. But then there was like this one, not even particularly like, I can't, I don't remember the joke exactly, but it was about um, denim. And I was like, I don't think they had denim on the ninth house like for they, reason. like this one little aside was more jarring to me than like a bunch of silly like references yeah no exactly exactly you know it's it's funny how these um or like when someone says a word funny mm-hmm. it, it just takes you out for a second mm-hmm. and you're like oh okay okay that's 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 a weird one but it wasn't enough to pull me away from the story which was actually extremely exciting so talking about the book were there any themes that stood out to you i i noticed of course we're just haunted by death these are necromancers. They're resurrecting skeletons. They're learning how to manipulate like bones and dead matter in order to create these magical constructs. But there's also a lot of like relational and relationship themes throughout this. Were there any things that stood out for you? The one thing that stood out for me, especially with Gideon, is just how she kept getting thwarted with all her escapes and how, you know, you sometimes get stuck in a place, especially out of responsibility. You know, you keep getting pulled back uh, to your hometown, if you will, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're so talented or you're you're so needed, but all you want is freedom and you're struggling to get to that freedom and you're doing everything you can. And, you know, Gideon has has no real love for the the ninth, but is trying to make a clean break and thinks, okay, I need to be, I need to do this for Harrow. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, to Harrow, even though, you know, we don't like each other very much. And, you know, poor thing just keeps getting thwarted. So that, that is something that, that sticks out to me because sometimes you, you do feel that way. You get kind of, you get kind of um, stuck in your ways, um, especially if you think you have to, or you mm-hmm. have to do something or, you know, you think, okay, I just need to do this one thing and everything is going to be okay after that. And I'll, I'll have my freedom. I'll, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it doesn't yeah. always turn out that way. It is really fascinating because that you're making me think about how Gideon doesn't really want to have anything to do with the ninth house. Um, her origin story is that her mother kind of parachuted in with her and she is not from the ninth house. She wasn't born there. It's uh, very mysterious circumstances, but she doesn't want to feel any allegiance to the ninth house, but she comes into this situation where she's never been off the planet before that she can recall. And she comes into this situation where she is like a representative Mm -hmm. of the ninth house and all these other heirs of the houses and their cavaliers are looking at her as like the pinnacle of ninth housedom. So it's such a strange situation for her where she's representing something that she never thought she really had much to do with. But yet, as the book goes on, 
she kind of comes to realize that that's her background. Mm-hmm. Like, she really is from the ninth house. She really did grow up with all of these elderly nuns clicking these knuckle bone <laughs> rosaries. Oh, yes, knuckle bone rosaries. <laughs> and so it's kind of just a really fascinating, I mean, speculative fiction does this so well in kind of seeing these interplays between different groups with different ideologies. Mm-hmm. And it is really fascinating seeing this really snarky Gideon character kind of reckon with where she's grown up and where she comes yeah. from in the universe. No, and that's that's so true that, um, you know, we often feel when we're back in our, as we're growing up, especially as teenagers, that we don't belong. We're mm-hmm. so different from our parents. We're so different from our siblings or our classmates. And we, we need to go. And then we leave and we realize, oh, yes, I miss food that I, you know, I miss, I miss certain things or um, I'm definitely influenced more than I, than I realize. It's in, it's in my, it's in, it's in my every action. Yeah. That yeah. you really are, in fact, from that place you came yeah. from, even if you felt like you were an outsider while you were there. So I feel like Gideon is really kind of reckoning with that. Yeah. The writing is really good, really high quality. The concept is almost so huge that at times I was like, where is she going <laughs> with this? That's, I mean, if you haven't read speculative fiction or any sort of um, like, space opera in book form yeah sometimes you you find yourself asking where when who there's another book Mm -hmm. the the next book is going to explain this more and there is Mm -hmm. yeah so and in that uh way uh i wanted to ask i always want to ask if there are any major reviews or media reasons why people would have heard of this title and i i know there's a second book because i started to read it but is is the third one coming out soon is that one of the reasons why this is kind of top of mind for some people yes i believe it's coming out later this year or next year okay Um, but very soon and there's been a lot of buzz about it and the friend who recommended the series to me um said i i need to know like she just seemed very um, concerned about something mm-hmm. and was was telling me, you know, you, you got to start the series so that we can talk about it. And I completely understand that now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I think the the second one is called Harrow, Harrow the Ninth. Harrow the Ninth. And then the third one is going to be called Nona the Ninth or is called Nona the Ninth. So that should be coming out very soon. That's exciting. And one thing that we didn't really talk about when we talked about themes is that this is a queer romance. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, not. I want to. I want to back off of saying romance. I mean, there are queer themes throughout this book. Yes, definitely. Um, One of the things about um, Gideon is when she in the, the beginning of the book she is trying to escape the ninth and. She brings um, a weapon. Of course she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also brings her little uh, dirty magazines, her <laughs> which like her tells you her, her magazines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her, which is such a funny thing because it's like, how did she even get that? How? You know, it, 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 you had a lot of questions at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you stop to think like, when, when, how, the ninth, this world of dark necromancers, and, mm-hmm. 
when did they have time? Is this from a, <laughs> so many questions? And I think that's that's what's really funny about mm-hmm. about internet culture is that it'll make a reference to something and then it'll beg a million other questions. Mm-hmm. And so if you are not used to that, uh, you that's the first couple of sentences will stop you and just make you think for a second, like what. Oh. <laughs> like, but you, it also makes you want to learn more. Yeah. So despite there not being like super explicit relationships mm-hmm. in the book, it really does take um, an intentional on the author's part look at queer adolescents about lots of different yes. relationships between the um Cavaliers and the necromancers of the different houses, some of the mysterious people that they find in this abandoned world where they all end up and and kind of starts them imagining the origins of their society Mm -hmm. some 10,000 years in the past. Yes. And, you know, that's I think that is the um, the job of the youth. Often it's to question or to learn about the past and understand it because you know when you've been living a certain way for for a long time sometimes that new generation has to come around and turn around and say why are we doing it like this or (laughs) why have we been doing it like this what's going on and I think that's that's another important theme that this story is comprised of youths uh, who are leaders in their own houses you know they're they're about to take over in in some way shape or form and they're trying to become very powerful but first they have to understand their past so yeah yeah. no it's super fascinating and in that way it almost makes me feel like some of the meme references and the like youth culture language is kind of appropriate Mm -hmm. oddly because you're recontextualizing history and that's always what's happening as young people are ready to go out and take power and change the world they have to reckon with what what they're stepping into what's happened before and put their own spin on it and i think that tanzimir does just an amazing job of of putting that into these books exactly not to spoil anything but harrow seems to um inherit some of the problems that her parents left behind Mm -hmm. and is kind of doing the best she could um um, not doing good things. She's not doing good things, but she's doing the best she thinks she could. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's definitely um, what we all strive to do as um, people who are inheriting the earth, if you will. <laughs> yeah. So just lots of really fascinating material in this book. If you are into speculative fiction at all, I would definitely pick it up. Yes. Great. So for people who may have already read this book or will tear through it really quickly and then want more, um, do you have any suggestions of other authors that might be a little bit like this? I know it's kind of unique, but um, other science fiction, maybe other kind of like snappier writing sci-fi authors so i would recommend the book that we had we we read last month which is a little older than this it it came out in 2005 but it is by john scalzi and it's called old man's war and if you like the humorous aspect or if you like um funny dialogue this is definitely a book for you um so the idea is this takes place in the um I I always have a problem with the word near future, uh-huh. near far future. <laughs> it's it's basically kind of far, but also kind of near. Um, <laughs> but in this near far future, old people um, or older people at uh, who are 
75 or older, and they are able to sign up to join the military and they get to be sent into space to uh, to fight galactic wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so so the story begins with um, this this uh, man named John Perry. He he starts the first line immediately grabs you because it, it's um, today is my 75th birthday and I visited my wife's grave. Then I signed up to join the military. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hilarious because, um, you know, you have this, this man kind of trying to understand all these new alien races and um, it's, it's a quick read, really. It's, it's mm -hmm. much shorter than um, Gideon the Ninth. Um, so if, if you like humorous books, I would recommend John Scalzi. Um, he's also known for writing this book called Red Shirts. So if you're familiar with Star Trek, the, the ongoing joke is that if you're wearing a red shirt, you're probably not going to survive very long. You, you, if you don't have a name, that's, that's, that's even worse. No, if you don't have a last name. I think if you don't have a last name or a first name, you don't live for very long. Yeah. And so he wrote this book about a bunch of these new red shirts who have joined a ship. He he's basically um created this this parody of of Star Trek and it's it's really funny. Um if you like Star Trek and again, if you like humorous uh science fiction. Thank you so much for bringing this to us and um, and for bringing it to me. I really enjoyed the book. Thank so. you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> This week's Wellesley Reader's Report. So today's first place in adult fiction is an outlier. It earned its place not for being new or winning recent awards, but because it was the August book pick for the Friday Morning Book Club. The Awakening is a novel first published in 1899, dealing with a character struggling with her roles as a wife and mother. It's regarded as a landmark of early feminist writing, and its themes from over 100 years ago continue to be relevant today. There's a little bit of lag in our data, so the as this episode is released, the book club discussion has already happened, but the if the Friday Morning Book Club appeals to you, please consider jumping in next time. Number two on adult fiction is Verity by Colleen Hoover, the New York Times and USA Today best-selling author. This thriller is a departure from Hoover's earlier romance works. It starts with a tragic accident and only gets darker from there. Shy, struggling writer Lowen goes to a meeting with her publisher only to be offered an extremely lucrative writing deal. Pen the remaining books in a popular series for the medically incapacitated Verity Crawford, whose handsome husband Jeremy is negotiating on her behalf. Lowen goes with Jeremy and stubble, stumbles on to devastating secrets in Verity's notes. Number three is The Silent Patient, a 2019 psychological thriller written by British Cypriot author Alex Michelades. In this bestseller, a psychotherapist slowly unravels a, a disturbing series of events as he's treating an artist who went mute after murdering her husband. In adult nonfiction, we have some familiar titles. From Strength to Strength is Still on Top by Arthur Brooks, the happiness expert. And um, we have number two is Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, the number one New York Times bestseller. 
Um, and number three is Crying in H Mart, still holding on strong with Michelle Zauner's memoir about growing up Korean American. In mystery, number one is All the Devils Are Here by Louise Penny. This is the 16th novel um, in the Chief Inspector Armand Gamache um, series. Uh, on the first night in Paris, the Gamache family comes close to tragedy as Armand's godfather, the billionaire Stephen Horowitz, is critically injured in what Armand is sure was an attempt on the elderly man's life. Thus follows an exciting adventure through Parisian locales as they try to unravel the plot. The second book is um, The American Agent, a Maisie, Maisie Dobbs novel by Jacqueline Winspear. And the third is A Death in the Dales, another long-running series novel by Francis Brody. In science fiction, again, we see uh, The Greater Good by Timothy Zahn. Um, and The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is number two. A new title on the list today at number three is Network Effect by the Hugo and Nebula award-winning science fiction author Martha Wells. This is the first novel that she's written with a character that she has already explored in a series of novellas, the cranky AI android Murderbot. Um, it's interesting because this book was released in 2020, but it's very popular right now. This seems to be due to the, the series overall rising popularity, even though Network Effect itself is the sixth entry. There have been novellas and short stories in there as well. Um, and there are rumors of a TV adaptation um, that's going to be developed on Hulu, but nothing seems to have been announced specifically yet. So if you know why this book is so popular right now, write in to us at wflbookreport at minlib.net and let us know. In DVD this week, number one is still The House of Gucci with a star-studded cast um, inspired by the shocking, shocking true story of the family behind the Italian fashion empire. At number two, we have The Contractor, a 2022 American action thriller film directed by Swedish director Tariq Sella in his English-language film debut. It stars Chris Pine as a Green Beret, involuntarily discharged and pushed into employment with a private military company. Number three this week is another 2022 film, The Outfit. In 1956 Chicago, Leonard Burling, played by Mark Rylance, is an English cutter who runs a tailor shop in a neighborhood controlled by Irish mob boss Roy Boyle. He becomes more and more deeply embroiled in their business. As always, the complete book report can be found at wellesleyfreelibrary.org slash book report. You'll be able to see additional categories and a more complete list of our most popular titles so you can find what you are most interested in. Thank you for joining us for this fourth episode of the Wellesley Free Library podcast. Special thanks to Library Director Jamie Jurgensen, Assistant Director Kara Rothman, Head of Information Services Sue Hamelos, all the Information Services Department, including today's guest Annette Diola, the WFL IT Department, especially Axel Thompson, Jeremy Goldstein from the Minuteman Library Network, and to library patrons like you who make this work interesting and rewarding. Please reach out to us with thoughts, comments, and questions via email at wflbookreport.com. That's WFL Book Report at